0: good morning again, it is good to see everybody, brothers and sisters, it's also a pleasure for me to share the Word of God with you, I'll ask you to open to Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 14. We're going to read verses 1 through 8, and we can pray. Ezekiel 14, 1. Then some elders of Israel came to me and sat down before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, Thus says the Lord God, Any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart, puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols, in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are estranged from me through all their idols. Therefore, Say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent and turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. For anyone of the house of Israel or, or of the immigrants who stay in Israel, who separates himself from me, sets up his idols in his heart, puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet to inquire of me for himself, I, the Lord, will be brought to answer him in my own person. I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from among my people so you will know that I am the Lord. Please pray with me. Father God, we come to you and Lord Most of the time, a lot of times, we're blind. Perhaps we may live a life and think that everything is fine, yet we may not see much of sin and much of idolatry within us. Lord, I pray that you would today make this word clear to all of us. I pray that every single one of us would search our hearts, Would recognize sins that lead us directly into stumbling and falling, sin that separates us from Christ, and you would lead us to repentance and freedom of this idol. Lord, I pray, help us to understand that we are nothing without you, that we need you, that we need your spirit within us to constantly point out things to us. Otherwise, we fall astray. We go after our desires. We go after what our flesh wants. We pray that you would bless us to see this through your word. Help us to resolve, to search for the idols, and to repent of them, to walk away from them, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, when you think of idolatry, what do you think of immediately? Of an idol, something that is made, something that is built out of metal, out of wood. Something that people somewhere out there bow down to. If you look at the scripture, you immediately think of Egypt. you think, thinking of Canaan. You're thinking of the nation of Israel who were following after foreign gods and were building and making themselves idols. But the Bible speaks of idols in many, many different ways. This is one of the passages that shows that the idols are in our hearts. They're actively being built and set up in our hearts. And those idols lead to certain transgression. And that transgression leads to additional transgression And that may even lead to our destruction. On the one hand, we understand that the idols are worthless. They mean nothing. Idols can't help us. Idols can't save us. On the other hand, we're paradoxically sometimes enslaved by those idols. They have power and control over us. Once we believe that they're worth something, it's almost like we can't get rid of them. We can't help ourselves but to believe and follow that false God. Modern idolatry today includes multiple idols. We're going to look at some examples today, but I'll just give you a few. Self-image, our bodies, our health, our comfort, our respect. We don't even think about those things as our idols, but they were there from the beginning they're there now they're just manifested in a different way we believers at the same time we're not immune to them if you remember from first epistle of john in first epistle of john john describes what the lo- life of a believer looks like who believes and loves jesus christ and do you remember how this whole epistle ends In chapter 5, verse 21, John writes, Little children, last phrase, little children, guard yourselves from idols. Guard yourselves from idols. And perhaps you today are at a point where at some point in your life you have experienced significant spiritual growth. But at some point you stalled. Maybe you're even regressing in your growth. Perhaps. Bible is not interesting to you. Perhaps evangelism is almost like a burden to you. Maybe prayer has become dull, almost dead. Maybe the Lord is not answering. Perhaps you're a Christian who is dealing with specific sin, this enticing sin, and you keep fighting it. And fighting it. And you're hating yourself for it. And you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, uh, why do I keep doing this over and over and over again? And you can't get rid of it. Or maybe you're at a point where you're having serious relationship problems. Maybe you're at a point where your marriage may be close to being broken. Perhaps it's your relationship with your children that is at the brink Maybe it is your career. Maybe it is your ministry that is about to fail. I want to encourage you to check your heart. Check for idols that perhaps they may be there and you might not be even recognizing them. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 14, therefore, my beloved flee from idolatry, flee from idolatry. I want to take you to this passage today and I want you to I'd like you to and calling you to remember one thing that our life as life of Christians it must be characterized by constant fleeing from idols and renewing of our affection for Christ in fact if you are not actively fleeing from idols but instead you're indulging in your idols you may not have known Christ ever perhaps you're constantly struggling with sin I wanna tell you you need to check for the idols because that is what our calling is our life is characterized by constant fleeing from idols and renewing our affection for Christ please go with me to this book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a man who was a prophet. He was also a priest. At the age of 25, he was taken into captivity with 10,000 other Jews from Israel and was brought into Babylon. About five years later, he began his ministry of the prophet. By the time we get This ministry had lasted for about 20 years, for over 20 years. By the time we get to chapter 14, it is evident that Ezekiel has become a well-known prophet. Men of Israel, elders, have come to him in order to hear the word of God. In the meantime, we understand that the nation of Israel, Judea, and people in Jerusalem are bluntly involved and continue to live in sin of idolatry. We read from the pages of Ezekiel that he constantly prophesies against Israel, against elders of Israel who are in Jerusalem, those who even set up idols within the temple themselves. And he says, the doom is coming. God is going to punish the nation of Israel. He's going to destroy the temple. He's going to destroy Judea. That is the message that we see throughout entirety of the book of Ezekiel, for most of it. There are glimpses of hope for the remnant, but a lot of judgment. Now here we have, in verses 1 and 2, that elders that are not from Jerusalem, not from Judea, but local, elders who have been... Brought into Babylon, they come to Ezekiel, and they seeking the word of God. It says, the sum of some elders of Israel came to me and sat down before me. These men, they want to hear the word of God. Yet at the same time, God tells them, I will not answer them in the way that they want to hear it. I will not respond to them what they want to see, what they want to hear. They wish to know when is this whole thing is going to end. They want to know when is this bondage, when is this exile is going to end. When are we going back home to Jerusalem? When are we going to back home to our people? What's going on, by the way, in Jerusalem? Ezekiel, tell us about it. But he says, I will not answer you. In the way that you want to hear. I'm going to answer you according to what is in your heart. And he tells Ezekiel. Ezekiel there's something that you don't see. But that I see. That these men have set up idols in their heart. The question becomes right away. What is idol? What is idol in the Bible? If it's not only a statute. It's not only a man-made God that are prevalent in Eastern cultures back then and now, there is something, and I can define that as such, as, it is trusting the created things rather than the creator for our hope, happiness, significance, and security. It is trusting. Idolatry is trusting the created things rather than the creator for our hope, happiness, significance, and security. You see, idol is not, not necessarily a thing. But it is what a place this thing occupies in your heart. Elders, they came and they did not. They could probably freely say, I don't have a built idol in my house right now. But God says, you don't see it, but I see it. They have a heart that is full of idols. You see, we human beings, we were made as worshipers. It is not only that something that we do, it's something who we are. We were created to be worshipers. So we worship all the time. There's not a time that we don't worship. It is a matter of who we worship. We were given inner self that the Bible oftentimes describes as the heart. And this heart is the center of our passion. It is the center of our desires. It is the who we are and what we worship with. This worship is oftentimes in the pages of scriptures defined with these terms. Love, trust, fear, hope, seek, serve. So we either apply these terms and apply these feelings and are seeking and are loving towards either God or we're doing it constantly towards something else. It is that heart by which we're called to love the Lord God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. That is the first two of the Ten Commandments. You shall not have other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol. Martin Luther said, if you can abide to those two, you will be abiding to all of the rest of the eight. You see, unless if you have no idol in your heart then you will not be stealing from your neighbor if you do not have an idol or desire for someone's wife then you will not be committing adultery if you do have all that you need in God and you want God alone then you will not want anything else that someone else has in the Old Testament idolatry It's a very prevalent sin. It is constantly mentioned. It is probably most significant, distinctive sin. In the New Testament, we don't see it much, this term idolatry. If in the Old Testament, this idolatry was describing this drift away from God, in the New Testament, this drift away from God is described by this term desire strong desire or lust and if you look in the old testament it is all over the place let me just give you a few examples walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh galatians 5:16. among them we too were formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest ephesians 2 3 In Ephesians 4.22, lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. So, I hope you're starting to understand that idolatry is not just limited to an object. It is in your heart it is your desire and we're full of desires once that desire becomes sinful once that desire becomes elevated above who God is that becomes sin that becomes an idol and from this passage as we look at our passage today I'd like to break it down in two sessions recognize and repent Recognize and repent. If you don't recognize it, then you can't repent of it. But if you recognize alone and don't repent of it, that's also not taking you anywhere. So if we look at the first part, recognize, and I'm going to give you four distinguishing, identifying properties. These are evil properties of idolatry from this text. If you look at verse one, idolatry is deceitful idolatry can be hidden it can be hidden from other people it can even be hidden from you and me ourselves but it is not hidden from God our verse one says then some elders of Israel came to me and sat down before me they may seek good things but God says I will not answer them because they have idols These elders might have not even understood that they have idols in their hearts. Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. God says, let me tell you, they have put something as a desire for something and that desire is way greater for them than me they started these elders what's going on is they started to adapt to standards and culture and values of the babylonians their thoughts were pagan their souls yearned for pagan lifestyles these elders were representatives of the people it's not just elders they were infected by the Babylonian environment and the attractions of the idolatrous religion like in isaiah They drew near to God with words, but not with their hearts. Pharisees in Jesus' days, they had the same problem. They were able to express things. They were able to dress up things. They were able to even do certain things, but inside they were full of idols. I pray that you would check your own heart. Check and see if your lifestyle is a fake that's what it is. It's a fake. It's a hypocr- hypocrisy going on here. If you have something besides Jesus Christ that has taken the title of your heart's trust, preoccupation, loyalty, service, fear, or delight, it is deceitful and you have to search for it. You have to recognize it. Number one, deceitful. Number two, idolatry is dividing. He says, should I be consulted? This is what God answers. Should I be consulted by them at all? God, knowing their sin that is hiding in their heart, he gives them this obvious question to Ezekiel. Should I even be concerned, bothered by them? You understand that the obvious answer here, assumed answer is no, right? God shows that he has no obligation to answer people who are fakes, who are full of hypocrisy to answer their request to help them in their need God took this approach as an insult he doesn't want to give them a counsel he gives them grace which we will see but he's not obligated in Ezekiel chapter 20 the elders come to him again he says now in the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth of the month, certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and said before me. And in verse 3, the answer was different. says, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Do you come to inquire of me? As I live, declares the Lord, I will not be inquired by you. You see, idolatry brings in division Separation between you and God. God does not take idolatry lightly. God is a jealous God and Exodus 34 verse 13 says, but rather you are to tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and cut down their asherim, for you shall not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Jealous is God's name so he is very jealous in Isaiah 42 8 he says I am the Lord that is my name I will not give my glory to another nor my praise to graven images God is a jealous God in a way that he will not share with anything that belongs to him and he will not let you or me give credit to something that belongs to him alone He's jealous. He's also deeply hurt. In Ezekiel chapter 6 verse 9, when he gives condemnation and speaks of the future punishment upon the nation of Israel, he says this in verse 9. Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations to which they have been been carried captive. How I have been hurt by their idolatrous hearts, which turned away from me and by their eyes which played the harlot after their idols and they will loathe themselves in their own sight for the evils which they have committed for all their abominations and by their eyes i have been hurt god gets hurt when we go after idols that is why idolatry is compared to adultery throughout the old testament because it is, gives you a better, chance, a better ability to understand. It allows you to compare and see, how does God feel when I worship certain idols? Well, he feels as if you have been betrayed and were cheated by your own spouse. That's how he feels. If you go back to Ezekiel 14, verse 4, it says, I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, look at this, who are estranged from me through all their idols. They're estranged. They became strangers to him. Verse 7, for anyone of the house of Israel or of the immigrants who stay in the Israel, who separates himself from me, sets up his idols in, the, in his heart. These two passages made me wonder on the order of things. One says, estranged from me through their idols. The other one says, separates himself, then looks like the order sets up his idols in his heart. So which one comes first? The way I look at it is like this. You have a throne in your heart. The throne belongs to God alone. What you do first, you take God off the throne in your heart. You separate yourself from God. And then you replace God with your idol in your heart. And that further separates you from God and leads to further iniquity. So, the two features, evil features that we looked at, is number one, it's deceitful. Number two, it's dividing. Number three, it is damaging. Damaging. Take a look at verse 3. These men have set up their idols in their hearts and have put up right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. What is a stumbling block? It's hard to tell. We don't have much stumbling blocks. But in that day and age, there were stumbling blocks all over. You don't pay attention. You trip over a rock. You land on your face. So it speaks of sin. It speaks of sin and iniquity That will follow immediately. Right after you put the idol in your heart. There's a direct relationship between. The sin of idolatry and another sin. The sin of idolatry will always make one fall into a greater sin. Someone said. Where there is no love for God. There is no limit to what other sins may be committed. Isn't that interesting? Once that love of God is lost then you have no limit of how many sins you can commit and how deep and grievous those sins can be there is a progressive tripping and falling progressive in ezekiel seven nineteen, it says they will fling their silver into the streets and their gold will become an abhorrent thing their silver and their gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the lord They cannot satisfy their appetite, nor can they fill their stomachs, for their iniquity has become an occasion for stumbling. It is progressing. You put the idol in your heart. You put up the, right in front of your face, a stumbling block. The first temptation you have, you fall. You immediately, you keep the idol in your heart. The next temptation comes, you fall. This temptation and this idolatry becomes very damaging to your soul. This phrase of putting a stumbling block, I take it as proximity. Some people say it blocks you. It puts a filter. You can't see things straight because you have this idol. I look at it as proximity. It's so close that it's just one step away from falling right over it. It is so close. It is... One step and you lose a relationship. It is one step and you lose your marriage. One step and you lose your job. One step and you're losing your career or ministry. It is so close. It is so dangerous. Number four, idolatry is destructive. God says, I will intervene. I will speak to them. And I will speak to them in a matter in view of the multitude of his idols, of their idols. I will give them the answer. It will not be the answer that they want to hear. I will speak of their idolatry. Take a look at verse 5. It speaks of the heart of God. Why? Why does God decide to speak to these elders? He says, in order to lay hold of the hearts. This may be you today. And the Lord is speaking to you. And you may have another chance before you fall on your face over a stumbling block of your iniquity. And he says, I want to grab a hold of your heart. Pray that you would have recognition and repentance. But it can be destructive. Look at this lack of recognition, repentance. It leads to God's direct intervening. Look at verse 8, even verse 7. I, the Lord, will be brought to answer him in my own person. You want to hear what the Lord thinks through this prophet? Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to speak to you directly. I'm going to bring some trouble in your life. I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a prophet and a proverb. And I will cut him off from among my people. I'm going to make sure that he falls and he falls hard. I want to make sure that that person gets hurt. I want to make sure that that person even gets destructed destroyed if he or she doesn't repent it is serious it is dangerous it appears that there is a special vengeance of God toward those who claim to be believers show themselves as pious show themselves that they want to hear the word of God they seem to be coming to church they seem to be dressed nicely they speak the right things but they love For their idols is way greater than love for Christ. Even an unbeliever may not suffer as that person may suffer greatly and pay for this hypocrisy. He says they will be, as a proverb, you will be used to help other people. Again, another grace of God. If it's not to you, you don't want it. I will punish you. I will destroy you. And I will use you as an example to warn other people. That's how God deals with idolatry. We looked at four characteristics, evil characteristics of idolatry. Deceitfulness, dividing, damaging, and destructive. If you read the book by John Bunyan, The Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan wrote about this trip that Christian is taking. And he comes to this town of vanity. As he's going to the celestial city, he stumbles upon this town that's right in the way. And he says that how in the middle of the city of this town, there is a fair, vanity fair. And take a look at how he speaks about it. They, speaking of Satan and his demons, contrived here to set up a fair. A fair wherein should... "...be sold all sorts of vanity, and that it should last all the year long. Therefore at this fair are all such merchandise sold as houses, lands, trades, places, honors, promotions, titles, countries, kingdoms, lusts, pleasures, delights of all sorts, as whores, bods, pearls, precious stones, and what not wives husbands children masters servants lives blood bodies soul souls silver gold and moreover at this fair there is at all times to be seen juggling cheats games plays fools apes knaves and rogues and that of every kind he keeps going with this these are the idols Amazing. These are idols that are not just pressing you from outside. These are idols that we set up in our own hearts. We set up these desires within. As John Calvin said, he, of, he spoke of the hearts of men as idol factories. Idol factories. We produce them day in and day out. Some of you, some of us, we may have an idol that just like this you know I have an idol of comfort I have an idol of respect and you lash out at someone I have an idol of honor status so you work like crazy at your workplace some of the items could be short quick but some of the items could be like leeches hanging on to you for years and years, and you might not even know that you have them. And the only way to see it is through the fruit, through the fruit. Let me give you a few examples. You want to be successful? You have an idol of success and power? That's why you work over time, over and all the time. You're neglecting your family. You have an idol of beauty and image before the people? That's why you're spending so much time taking care of your appearance. You may be at the gym all the time because you have an idol of your body. How people will look at you, how they see you. You have an idol of intimacy, of intimate relationship. That's why you're engaging in pornography. You have an idol of family That's why all you're concerned about is your children's prospects. You want that perfect marriage, so you're seeking for certain relationships. Do you have idol of security? That's why you're willing to steal even money. You have idol of significance and importance. That's why you seek for money. Do you have an idol of control? Anyone has an idol of control? <laughs> Maybe that's why you lash out at your kids. You see their bed unmade. It hurts you. You want the control. You have a little OCD or a little perfectionism. Maybe that's an idol of control. Do you look at the screen when the words are not right during song and you're full of anger? Maybe you have an idol of control. It manifests itself in multiple ways. And brothers and sisters, I wanted to speak to you in this because if we just fight on the level of the sin, if we just try to fight, well, I just don't want to get angry. Lord, help me with this anger. I want to say dig deeper. Dig deeper because there's something that produces that anger. There's certain desire that you put instead of desire for Christ. How do you deal with it? We're coming to part two. How do you deal with it? And the scripture is clear. You repent and turn away. You repent. Repentance is a change of attitude and action from sin toward obedience to God. A change of attitude and action from sin ...toward obedience to God. When we look at the word repentance in the New Testament... ...it's a little bit different concept than in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it speaks specifically implying the change of your mind. By the way, both in the New and the Old Testament, it speaks of the change in action. But it begins with the change of the mind in the Greek term. In the Hebrew term, it speaks of your turning around... As you were walking one way, you turn around and you walk a different direction. This is how we see here in verse six. Repeat it this one word, it's just in a couple different forms, repeat it three times. Turn around. Repent. Turn around. Turn around from your idols. Turn around away from all your abominations. This is where you want to go. Opposite direction. What is repentance? Like I said, it's change of attitude towards sin and action towards sin and toward God. But it takes place in the human being as a whole thing, as a whole human being. It affects your mind. It affects your emotion and affects your will. How does it affect your mind? Well, it affects it by you acknowledging that this idol is really not a god. It's really not worth much. In fact, in the Hebrew term, the word for idol has the same root as the word for dung. It is as if you put God off the throne and you know what you put? You put a pile of dung on top of the throne and now you're worshiping it. That's what the picture of that is. Your change in mind allows you to see that this is not worth it. It's actually heinous to God. He hates it. It separates me from God. It separates me from other beings, human beings. You have to acknowledge that it is not just a sin, it is an abomination, as you see in verse 6. It is an abomination in God's eyes. It is a spiritual adultery how do you get there that's with the ministry of the word with the ministry of the Holy Spirit that's at the level of your mind how about emotions your broken-hearted spirit has to be there deep remorse godly sorrow for the sin according to 2nd Corinthians chapter 7 it's not a worldly sorrow that leads to sin and death it's the godly sorrow That you hate the sin because it separates you from God. You don't hate the sin because you got caught. You don't hate the sin because it gives you inconvenience now. It leads to consequences. You hate the sin because it separates you from God. It's grievous in God's eyes. Mourning over it. Third, it affects your will. You don't just speak about it. You don't just think about it. You don't just feel about it. It is actual rejection, forsaking of sin, changing the lifestyle, abandonment of the sin. That's what true, genuine repentance looks like. And you may say, How does that happen? Well, how do I do that? Can you tell me how do I do that? How do I get rid of my sins? The answer is by faith, brothers and sisters, by faith. As I said, from faith comes, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It is you renewing your mind in the word of God and reminding of yourself who the true king and the true valuable Christ is. And you say, he is worthy of all of my honor. Of all of my praise, he's worthy for me to trust him with everything. He's worthy for me to obey him, to rely on him for security, for comfort, for control of my life situation. He's worthy. It is by renewing of your mind, you come to that realization. You acknowledge the true value or lack of value of this idol. Have you ever seen someone idolizing their children? <laughs> You're like, yeah, got one in the house now. <laughs> um, do you see them as happy? I'll tell you, when a mom brings a kid to the doctor's office, one of those helicopter moms, she's overwhelmed with stress, with worry, with Concerns, what if this is going to happen? How does this, you know? But maybe he wants this. My thought is always it's usually 80% right, it's the only child in the family. (laughs) But do you see that mom being joyful and happy? There's no joy, there's no happiness. Now imagine what would happen if this child ends up growing up and being a rebellious child who hates his parents. Imagine if this child dies. How is the heart that idolized this child is going to feel? It's going to be a broken heart. There's going to be no reason to live because the only thing that this woman or man idolized is now dead. But see, if you see the child and you see Christ infinitely more superior than your child if you see Christ infinitely more superior than your work than your spouse then you say you know even if I lose my spouse even if I lose my child I have Christ he's worthy he's worthy he will keep me interesting thing that when you love Christ more you will love your children more. When you love Christ more, you will love your work more. You will love your wife more. Interesting, huh? It is replacing your emotions. You're replacing your thoughts. You're saying, this is not worth it. This is worth it. You're replacing your affections, your longing, your sense of need for idol with affection and longing and sense of need for Christ. And then for action, with the power of the Holy Spirit, you're replacing your actions that earlier indicated your allegiance to this idol, but now will point to your allegiance to Christ. It will be manifested in your actions. Let me ask you do you have an idol? <laughs> How many should I ask? When was your last title discovered? As you sit I, for the wig of application, I want to ask you a number of questions. Imagine that someone followed you around for the last week or two. Maybe all they need to do is just upload, download all your data from your phone. That will give a lot. But they were watching you and they were recording everything. Every word you said, every reaction you had, every emotion that you expressed. And the questions are this. What would they see? What was it that made you angry? Think about it. What was it that made you sad? What did you spend your money on? What would they say most important thing to you? What would these people say that is ruling your heart? You understand that even a good desire that you have may become idolatrous demand when you begin to sacrifice, spend time, spend money. You start talking about it all the time. You start complaining about it. You're worrying about it. It's on your mind. All the time, even a good thing can become an idol. Someone said, Follow the trail of your time, money, and your affections, and you will find your idol. What deeply frustrated you in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4? We it's a famous passage for your desires. What is the source of your quarrels and your fights? Isn't that your desires that are waging war within you? You and I, we have desires all the time. All the time. We seek things. We want things all the time. The question becomes, when do they become sin or idol? It is when we want it so much that we're willing to sin to get it. Or when we want it. So much that if someone's trying to take it away from us, we begin to sin. We begin to be angry. There's always a desire. You may be thinking, I should have been gotten married by now. I'm still living alone. And you're thinking and thinking about it, elevating it. I should have had a large amount of money in my account, but I'm still living paycheck to paycheck. Ask yourself, what are you afraid of? What kind of fears are you moved by? I might never become this. I might never reach that point. Are you ever scared that you will always be alone? What is your greatest passion or desire? What are you most passionate about? What do you run for comfort? For some, it could be your refrigerator. Where do you go for refuge? What do you think about most? What do you complain about most? That may point to your idol. What do you brag about? Maybe you don't brag about something out loud, but you definitely brag about inside of you. Who do you want to be like? Someone on TV, someone on Instagram. I'd say in today's day and age, most of the people, they just want to be themselves. Well, maybe it's you who is an idol to you. Bible calls us to be like Jesus, to be like Christ. In Psalm 23, David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Examine your heart. If you want stuff and you want it so much that it becomes an idol in your heart, I pray that you would recognize it and you would repent of it. Let me read you from the Pilgrim's Progress. It was the decades of the... Vanity Fair, Christian man, a man who entreated him and his companion who said this. Let the kingdom be always before you and believe steadfastly concerning things that are invisible. Let nothing that is on this side of the other world get within you. And above all, look well to your own hearts and to the lusts thereof, for they're deceitful above all things. And are desperately wicked. Set your faces like a flint. You have all power in heaven and on earth on your side. Brother and sister, I pray that you would act by faith. As you dwell in the Word of God, you're given power, ability to recognize your sin, moved by the power of the Holy Spirit to recognize your sin of idolatry, dethrone that idol and cling to Christ. Set him above all else. Set him as the most important being and your object of worship. Love him. Treasure him. Cling to him. May the Lord bless you. Please pray with me. Father God, we recognize If we look honestly through the pages of scripture, we recognize that we're full of idols. We have plenty of desires. And those desires are just waging war in in us. We always seek for things. And sometimes we sin in order to get them. Sometimes we hang on to them so tightly and we won't let go Because we depend on them, we trust them, we fear of losing them. Lord, every one of us is different, but Lord, we have commonalities that we are worshipers and oftentimes idolaters. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us directly and show us, shine that light and show us, reveal those idols within and bring us to repentance. May that repentance not be by in our mouths, even in our emotions, but may that repentance be viewed in our deeds. It will be evident in how we walk before you. It will be evident how we love you and how we love others. Bless us. Help us, Lord, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.